Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Steph and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. I hope everyone is okay. Uh, We're hoping to have a very quiet half term and I guess I'm feeling lucky that I can make that choice within my little bubble of work and kids and school. We're all okay. Everyone is settled into the term now, but the world is obviously not okay and it feels weird that life in your bubble carries on. Kids need to do their homework, they want stories at bedtime, there's washing to do, but I think I'm also appreciating my world a bit more because watching the news is a stark contrast and I just wanted to acknowledge that really. Um, Social media doesn't feel like a very friendly pace at the moment so I think dialing out of that and keeping up to date with news by appointment rather than a constant stream Um, can be helpful but at the same time recognising that is a privilege that allows us to carry on in lots of ways but hopefully the next 45 minutes can offer you some light relief. Um, My conversation today is actually one of reflection and dare I say it wisdom about midlife not from me I should add. Um, I'm talking with broadcast legends Fee Glover and Jane Garvey who I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of years ago to interview them at Henley Literary Festival about their book Did I Say That Out Loud? And then they took me on tour where I interviewed them seven or eight times including for their paperback tour last year. Um, Fee and Jane are both in their 50s and made a massive decision to quit the BBC after more than 30 years each and moved to Times Radio just over a year ago. So we talk about that along with careers and being a parent, uh, confidence and perimenopause, teens and phones, what they'd say to their 35-year-old selves. And I just find them really reassuring. They're out of the chaos of young kids. And I know they don't like giving advice as such. They recognise everyone's different and your circumstances are different. But just hearing from successful women who have found a path and it didn't just involve smashing on and exhausting themselves at every point is really helpful. They've obviously worked hard um, and they do talk about overwhelm a bit, but they're also really generous and have lots of empathy. They won't tell you that you should treasure every minute of your kids being smaller, even though I'm sure there's an element that they remember it really fondly when they've got teens and kids in their 20s that that aren't like small children. Um At this point, I just want to thank our sponsors, Ancient and Brave, who create sustainably sourced collagen blends and supplements. And you can get 20% off with the code DBHF20. And I'll talk more about them shortly. But just to say before meeting Fee and Jane, I had listened to hours of Woman's Hour when Jane was at the helm. Um, and then fell in love with them on the Fortunately podcast like millions of other people. So it was a total privilege to get to know them a bit and have some train rides and backstage gossip on their tour. And we actually start the conversation talking about one particular night when we got back to the hotel after their show. 
and the people in the bar refused to serve us any food unless we all ate it separately in our rooms. So it wasn't that they couldn't cook it, they just didn't want us to eat it in public. Um, but then we did persuade them, or mostly Fee persuaded them, that we could eat a delivery in a basement kind of playroom at 11pm. Very random, but that's what we start the conversation with. Anyway, here is the exceptional Fee and Jane. It's lovely to see you both. It is a year since I last saw you in person on your tour. <laughs> Didn't we have that rather disastrous one in Harrogate where we couldn't get any food at the hotel? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got to see, not, I wouldn't say angry, but assertive fee. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's angry when hungry fee, definitely. I mean, it wasn't Jeremy Clarkson level, I demand hot food, but it was very, very disappointing. And then ended up eating massive burgers at 11 o'clock at night and going to bed feeling quite bilious, actually. Yeah, really bilious. I think I'm still digesting that <laughs> Yeah. Well, I sent through some questions and themes for today and I loved Jane's response, which is that she was excited, as excited as she'll ever get. So we're going to start at that <laughs> well, level. Um, yeah, well, I've, you've just reminded me of the delights of Harrogate and that meal, which we had to eat. Was it by a snooker table? Um, we were definitely sent downstairs as if in disgrace to eat a Five Guys burger. And the next morning I was still able to have a go at a full English. I do remember that. So I can't have been that bad, can I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. So how is it? Because when I last saw you, I think you, you were halfway through the tour, you did a couple of your first shows. And you were both kind of going, oh, well, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be fine. But you were kind of probably playing it down a bit. It was a massive change having left the BBC after how many hundred years. So how has it been? <laughs> OK, how has it been? What do you think, Fee? I would say that it's got a lot better. Uh, I think the first six months were probably quite stressful and at times quite hard, but always, always fun, I should say, and with a very supportive and happy team there but I'm really enjoying it there now and I think it has got better hasn't it Fee? I think once those initial nerves went I've enjoyed it right from the get-go because actually what it proves is that we're doing what we really like doing so although it is a different place completely different place and um, to the BBC actually just the making a radio show I just really love that <laughs> It just made me realise how much I really love that and also the realisation that that's just pretty much my skill set. There isn't anything else in the toolbox there. So, it was, you know, it was nice to get the screwdriver and the pliers out again and put them to work. <laughs> so I think it's been really lovely. And as Jane said, the team is really, really nice. And I don't think you can overestimate, actually, how important that is especially the older you get. You know, it just really is true. You just want to work with people you like because I think working with people who are difficult or kind of unresponsive or worse or just kind of inept, it's just on a daily basis that's really annoying. I think after you've raised kids, you've filed yourself, like, you know, with the nail file of uh, emotional whatever, on a daily basis, haven't you? We both worked for the BBC for, I think, over 30 years in both our cases. And I certainly felt that sometimes 
I was in danger of becoming that person that Fee describes, you know, the person who just sits there and carps. And um, it's been really good for me and for my approach to work to be in a different environment. You know, sometimes you've got to acknowledge that you're the problem. <laughs> it's not it's not just that everyone else is a moaning mini. It's that maybe you might be as well. Um, so, yes, I had a word with myself because we are surrounded on the whole by very positive people. It makes us quite positive, too. So it's nice. Well, and you're doing four shows a week and that leads to four podcasts as well. So it's quite a lot. Yeah, but it's not a proper job, <laughs> yeah, Steph. But, but it's two hours on air shared between us. So I don't know, Jane, it doesn't feel kind of onerous as some of those five live shows, for instance, which were three hours long and on your own, which is very, very different. So, and it's Monday to Thursday, we get this glorious long weekend. I'm very grateful for those hours, actually, but Jane might find them longer than me because she's got to put up with me for all of that time. So it might feel different to her. I'm I'm sitting on yes, the edge of my true. stool in preparation for this. <laughs> Not at all. Um, uh, what I would say is that um, I suppose I've only... Uh, in fact, my kids are always telling me that this is the first time I've had anything like a proper working week since I did five live shows, which was before... So I finished doing those programmes in 2007. So after that, I worked at Radio 4 and I usually worked two or three days a week. And I was often home by half past one, sometimes earlier than that. Relatively early start. Whereas now, to my shame, I'm commuting in London for the first time in my working life. So I actually get on the tube and come home on the tube at times when other people are travelling. I just had no idea how popular the rush hour was at about six o'clock at night. People are trying to get home. It's just incredible. It's a revelation to me. So I live a bit further away from the office than Fee does. So I'm often not home till about seven o'clock. And oh, I'm a beaten woman. I really am. But I mean, I also enjoy it. And we don't want to overlook the fact that for two women to do a live radio show together four times a week is ridiculously still quite revolutionary. So we celebrate that and we acknowledge it and we're very grateful to the Times for letting us do it. Well, it looks like it's going really well as well. Like the tone of the podcast feels very much like you two. So it's not a massive change from what you've done before, but you've got all these guests every day. So how do you read mm. all the books? I always think this. Do you read all the books? Well, we do read all the books, actually. We pride ourselves on reading the books, but... There are two of us, so one person always leads the interview and they're the one who's probably dug into the spine of the book more and then the other one gets the luxury of just popping up, uh, you know, with the fantastic, what will inevitably be the best question of the interview. Uh, <laughs> that's always the way, isn't it? But no, we do read the books and, I mean, some some weeks if there are four books, it's quite a lot actually, Jane, isn't it? But it's I think it's incredibly, yes. incredibly rude not to read them actually. That's somebody's work, that's why they're on the programme. Jane and I love reading, it's not a huge bind. No, but and then like when your kids were small, so I remember Fee, us talking and you were saying that you did make decisions for your, on your career based on the fact that you did want to be at home when the kids yes. were small. Does that feel really different now? Like, What was it like when they were small and you were trying to do this juggle and think? Because I think we have loads of people listening who are in that 
peak rush hour where they've got small kids, they're still trying to have some sort of career. They're also probably parents getting older and doing all that, just what feels like it's intense time. And I know when we met, when I said the ages of my kids, both of you were like, oh, yeah, you're in it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is nice because when people go, oh, well, you're going to miss it when they go, that just makes you feel bad for not enjoying it. Yeah, no, that is a terrible thing. It's, that's like somebody just twisting, you know, the top down on the thermos flask even more, isn't it, when people say that? So let's not say that. So, yes, I, I've only got two children. And after I had my younger, my daughter, I was working at Radio 4. I was doing Saturday Live. I'd had this slightly kind of bumpy ride because I'd been doing Broadcasting House at Radio 4. Then I got pregnant, took maternity leave from that, but didn't go back to that programme. I went to do Saturday Live and launch it and then I had another baby and then I took maternity leave and it had just been a bit like that. My husband at the time had a job that involved a lot of travel so he was working for a European company so he was away a lot and I'm very happy to be honest about this stuff. I ground to a halt. When I went back after my second lot of maternity leave I thought it would be the perfect job because it was at the weekend So I thought, well, you know, I'll do all my uh, mum stuff during the week and then I'll get to the weekend and I'll be able to go to work. But it just doesn't work like that. And, you know, apart from anything else, I was just knackered by the end of the week. And the last thing that I felt capable of doing was going to work and doing kind of jazz hands for the nation on a Saturday morning. So I found that an incredibly, incredibly difficult time and I didn't want to let the kids down I didn't want to let my partner down I didn't want to let work down I did that classic thing of not wanting to let everybody down so eventually I just let myself down. Did you feel like you had this career and then you were gonna have to put it on hold a bit? Well so I kind of did but I also and I don't really know where the strength of this conviction came from but I just thought I've just got to stop work for a while I just had to stop work for a while I don't think I had a kind of clarity of vision about what would then happen on the other side of that decision. But I just knew that I had to make it. I think the joy of journalism, you know, and I, and I had my babies quite late, you know, so I, did, I was quite long in the tooth at work. The joy of journalism is that you can always find something else you can go and work on. You know, there is always another story. There is always another social injustice. There is always something that, you know, that you'll be interested in. So I just thought, right, I want to just be at home with the kids when they're absolutely tiny. I'm just going to have to review my own career a little bit further down the line. And all I would say, and I, I wouldn't offer advice to anybody at all, you just have to hear a voice that speaks to you, think, I've got a similar kind of life, maybe that's an important thing and piece of wisdom that I can take. So I'm not lecturing anybody else at all. But I would say, for me, it was the right thing to do because I was not enjoying that feeling of just not quite being able to cope with anything. So I stopped. I spent my time with my kids. I've never regretted that. I went in snakes and ladders all the way back down to the bottom of the board, actually, career-wise. But I've really enjoyed being a little bit more in control of the journey back to where I want to be. So if you're listening and you think, oh, that makes perfect sense to me, then do the same thing. And if you're listening thinking that would be terrifying or I can't afford to, and obviously money comes into play hugely, then, you know, just treat me as another person that's on the shelf somewhere over there who's lived their life a little bit differently. But it is complicated because I think it's like, it's the fight for equality, but it's not equal if it just is women are completely burnt out because you're 
trying to do all of these things for that period. And like you say, it's it is short. And I think I can say that now. But I, I mean, I did work. I had maternities, but I did work. But now that my eldest is nearly 13, you can suddenly see, oh, that was a really short period. But it's very hard to make that decision when you're in it and you feel like, oh, God, if I let go of this thing, this work or whatever, or I don't yeah. want to be at home. Oh, no, totally. And it's so complicated. It's so complicated. And everybody has a different place where they feel their certainty is. And the terrible truth about early motherhood is that even that changes all the time because your kids will need different things from you. You know, your family needs different things from you, your bank balance. I mean, it's just such a, a place of flux. But if you are feeling that you're probably not coping with it, then you do have to do something, actually. I mean, is it taking a hit to your career? I mean, I suppose I could have stayed doing Saturday Live for years and years and years. I would have tried to put other stuff into it. Um, you know, would I have ended up doing what I'm doing now? Probably not, actually. And what I'm doing now, I love. So it's serendipity. You know, some of it's actually just really, really hard work. I mean, I really had to hustle to kind of get back on board after I'd taken that decision to leave for a while. And I mean, really hustle. Like, come up with my own program ideas, flog them, wrap them up in a bow, put them out there, do the same thing the next commissioning round. You know, the, there was a slog there. But I had more control over my time. And I was with my family at weekends. And that meant a lot to me when the kids went back to school. That meant an awful lot to me. But Jane's experience, I think, is really, really interesting here as well. Because actually, Jane, you managed to have a part-time job that, from the outside looking in, I think was almost the perfect job for someone who also wanted to be kind of grounded at home with the kids. Would that be fair to say? Uh, I, I suppose, In lots of ways, I, I've been incredibly fortunate. I mean, your fee's right. Yes, it was the perfect job. So I could do a programme about women and women's lives and the challenges facing women as a woman facing some of the same challenges, which meant in practical terms that I got to work two or three days a week at about half past seven in the morning. And most importantly, I could be in the primary school playground at half past three in the afternoon. And I wasn't grumpy and unfulfilled because sometimes I'd have done I'd have met the most remarkable women and heard incredibly interesting life experiences that put all of my challenges into perspective so yes it was it, to do a program like Women's Hour as a mother with two young kids when I first started was incredible and then I became a single parent a couple of years into that and I think that was actually really important in a way I think it probably made me a a more compassionate and probably more understanding broadcaster because I understood a bit more about what certainly single parents were up against so it was incredible but that doesn't mean that I didn't at times feel that I was overwhelmed by everything I mean I used to do the work I had to do in the time I had available so now I can I mean I'm looking at a quite glorious weekend where I can quite literally lie on a sofa and read those books we've talked about but I couldn't have done that in 2008 or 2009 or 2010 or 2011 or I mean I just couldn't I actually I actually genuinely don't know when I did the work I must have I think I used to get up very early on Sundays and work for maybe an hour or so before the kids got up like most women I've had almost no gap in the whole caring thing because 
you mentioned older parents earlier mm. and my parents are both uh one is 90 one is nearly 90 so yeah. um i mean look i'm very fortunate they're very fortunate they're in reasonable health but so your responsibilities do not they don't just suddenly go out the door mm. you've just got another set of responsibilities this time mm. Mm. Yeah, it's the, just it never ends, basically. But I heard you saying that you're doing better in your career in your 50s than you've ever done, which, again, I think is a really positive message. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you, and I'm, I'm sure, by the way, that I've been incredibly fortunate and I'm probably an outlier and neither Fee nor I have ever worked, I don't think Fee's ever worked, in a full-time, five-days-a-week nine to five kind of role because broadcasting if you are a broadcaster buys you some flexibility it isn't the same for producers and editors and technical staff it isn't but if you're the gob on a stick then there is a certain amount of flexibility around the hours that you work but yes to be really crude about it uh at 59 i'm earning more money than i've ever earned and i've just got to be i, I want women to know that uh because i think money is incredibly important and I think women need to know their worth because I don't think I think Fee would also say this we haven't known our worth and we haven't been encouraged to know our worth even saying it I feel a bit icky it's it's still a bit awkward to talk about this isn't it it shouldn't be but it is but I think it's such an important point actually to really amplify the message that women in their 50s who've taken time out as well or definitely kind of decompressed or compressed their careers because of their family commitments that you don't lose your skills as a person you might lose some skills that are relevant to your particular job at that particular time but your skills as a person grow and that kind of stuff that you bring back to work I think with the huge stretch that you've done looking after kids is really overlooked and it shouldn't be overlooked. It's really, really valuable stuff. So if when women return to work and put their foot on the accelerator a bit, that, you know, you just need to say it is because I'm absolutely worth your time and I am worth the money because I think it's so frightening for women, you know, to leave a job to look after their families thinking, well, I've blown it. You know, it's it's kind of over for me. It shouldn't be over for you. And when you return, you should be valued. And I know that lots of women aren't at the moment. I'm not being naive about that. But if Jane and I uh, can show that we can do a job well in our 50s, we should be proud of that, actually. And we shouldn't be shy of saying that. God knows we interview enough men who just haven't ever had to face those doubts at all. And this isn't to do them down at all. But you can tell in our conversation that they have just never had to face that self-doubt. They haven't had to move from their career and accept that it might come to a juddering halt and then they're going to kind of have to restart it. You know, it is a smoother path. And I'm so heartened that more men are prepared to take a career break to look after their families. I sometimes think if we were to do one really positive thing, it would be to stop using the word mother when we're having conversations about careers or families or whatever it is and just say parents. So men don't switch off from the conversation. 
But we did talk to a very, very famous, well-known broadcaster who's the same age as us. And we were talking about, you know, where he sees himself uh, heading off to in the future. And he said, do you remember this, Jane? He said that he had got to a place where he knew that his wisdom and experience was recognised by his employers. And so he had this kind of panoply of choice ahead of him. And Jane and I were just like, what? Shit. <laughs> we don't feel like that. But it's, you know... Um, how lovely, how absolutely lovely to know that you're thought of in that way. But my point to employers would be, Jane and I have exactly that in our lockers. We have the same wisdom and experience, but you know, maybe we've been learning that in a different environment to just the workplace. But don't think that we don't have all of the stuff that we could contribute to. Yeah, but you and you don't sit on a stage and be able to say and I know that I'm brilliant at this in a way that a man can but maybe we just need to practice doing it well there are some brilliant brilliant men and they've got every reason to shout from the rooftops about about how great they are this episode is sponsored by Ancient and Brave, a new generation of sustainably sourced collagen blends and supplements. I started taking their true collagen about three months ago before we were working together and I'd heard that collagen was a good thing for my age and very quickly I noticed that my nails were growing quicker and stronger and also the hairdresser noticed that I had like regrowth and my hair was getting thicker so I'll definitely take that. Ancient and Brave's products are pure, potent, easy to take. I just mix mine with a bit of water. Um, and the aim is they will elevate your wellness naturally from helping menopausal symptoms to supercharging your energy. But what really sets them apart is their sustainability. They are a B Corp as well as a member of 1% for the planet, which means they donate 1% of all sales to environmental causes that protect the planet because collective action adds up. So by buying their products, you're supporting the planet too. Visit 1%fortheplanet.org to learn more. And we have a 20% discount for listeners off any order with the code DBHF20. Just head to the Ancient and Brave website. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The plain fact is our hormones don't help. I mean, I... I mean, every woman and girl has got self-doubt and then you get to sort of perimenopausal mid-40s and it just seems to amplify and just be the noisiest voice in your head. And it takes quite a lot of strength to to shut that voice up, actually. Did you feel that career-wise for both of you? Like, did you feel that perimenopausal, I'm not as good as I was or I'm worried that I'm you're not? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. I still do actually if I can be honest that's so hard isn't it yeah I don't have that same you know kind of ready breck feeling of of protection that I had in my 20s at all and I don't know how much of that is a gender thing or a hormone thing or just the dawning realization that the world can be a bit shit you know it's probably just a combination of all of it isn't it but I've definitely learned to live with it it doesn't go away but I've definitely learned to live with it can you like pull yourself out of it and go right you're feeling like this because of these reasons not because you're actually shit (laughs) yes definitely or just kind of go well if you're shit people are still listening and paying you and talking to you so you know maybe they've just accepted the shit so just (laughs) accept the shit it's really difficult though isn't it because again going back to equality it's like you want to be able to say that we can keep up with men but you also need to acknowledge that this has an impact. And then by doing that, are you saying that actually we can't keep up for, there might be a period where it, it's it's complicated because you need, it needs a voice. And I think the menopause conversation is, is a complicated one, isn't it? Because there's been this kind of couple of years of, oh, it, it, HRT can fix everything. Let's all get on that. And actually it doesn't necessarily, or there's lots of people that can't take it. Yeah. And I also I think we've gone we've gone menopause mad uh, in the last couple of years. And I actually I was the one who brought this uh, the subject into this conversation. So I'd like to apologise because I think sometimes you get to middle age and such is the popularity of the menopause now. It's like it's all we've got. And I think sometimes it's no bad thing to to move away from it. Lots of women go through the menopause, barely notice. I think they're very fortunate. And I don't know that many of them, but I do know some. So we don't want to just be a bundle of our menopausal symptoms once we're past 43. There's much more to us than that. And lots of men go through health challenges in in middle age. They really do. And as you get to the age I am now, a friend of mine described your 50s as sniper's alley. And it's true because in medical terms, I'm afraid I now know quite a few people who are facing some serious health challenges. And they're not all women by any stretch of the imagination. You've d- and, and the other thing, actually, that Fee and I, I'm sure, would both acknowledge is that we have been so fortunate with our own health. That's another reason that we're able to, to work um, four days a week and have a lot of fun doing it. That's just not a given. 
it really isn't. And um, what about having teenagers? Because <laughs> I'm just heading into that phase. And actually so far, but I, we're not quite there. So my <laughs> oldest is nearly 13. Uh. It's quite lovely. Like I don't have to wipe his bum. We've come out of that phase. So that's good. But also just, I don't know, there's some bits where you feel like you're it's almost a little bit on the same level sometimes about where you can have a conversation about something big that is like, oh, I didn't know what that was going to be like because I'd only ever had small children before now. Well, I'm out of the phase now, she said smugly. But my sister has a 13-year-old and uh, I'm quite enjoying that. What can I say? I'm enjoying passing on my wisdom. I'm enjoying watching her doing it. And it's all good fun. I mean, I think... I totally get what you're saying, Steph, because sometimes it's like a realisation. Oh, my goodness, these people, they're almost, they're going to be adults one day. And we're going to be able to sit around a table. Yeah, they're humans. <laughs> yeah, and talk. We're going to be able to converse. But at the same time, um, a whole new set of challenges sweeps in. And you you don't know who's influencing them. You don't know what they're watching. You don't know what they're hearing. And sometimes you just don't know where they are. And... It's tough. It really is tough. And I think if you've ever been the centre of your child's life, you have to accept that you no longer are <laughs> the centre and they are going oh, to Oh, and they look you. at you like you're a, a bit of an em- embarrassment. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, we've, we've definitely hit that. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Fee, you've got two teenagers, right? Yeah, I'm in peak teens. I absolutely love this age with them just love it but then my lovely friend maria says <laughs> says she's got an older son she says for you've said that every single stage of your children's life shut up uh which is not true actually i did i find the toddler years uh, really a little bit uh stressful i love the teenage years i love the fact that you can see the adults that you hope they're going to become I love that we are all capable of sharing the same kind of culture, actually, at the moment. I love all their influences of music, you know, the different language they use. I find them incredibly helpful as kind of um, journalistic researchers on life because their understanding of, you know, the TikTok generation, they are the TikTok generation, is just uh, eye-popping. It's so brilliant you know, I come home from work, and in fact, uh, we, we were talking about a bit of politics because my son's studying politics. Uh, you know, we were talking about the Conservative Party conference. It's the best conversation I've ever had with anybody about a party conference because, you know, they, they're not cynical about the world in the same way that I probably am. They genuinely have a completely different view of quite a lot of the really big issues of the day. So I'm really, really loving all of that. And I take Jane's point, the anxiety is different. Not knowing where they are, not knowing what they've seen, not knowing who they're with, you know, that that is a whole different level of worry. Uh, but I absolutely love this age, absolutely love this age. And we, we do share pants as well, which is very helpful in, in a family where, I you know, sometimes the laundry is the first thing that slips during the week. And uh, we, we, we pretty much can all share the same pants at the moment. Well, you also have to be ready to prepare to make your food stretch at any time, right? So the other day, Buster just messages and says, oh, uh, can I bring three people over? But they're one minute away, so you can't say no. But also, like you say, because you don't know who they're with or what they're doing, I was a bit like, yeah, of course, you want them in your mm. house. 
but I'd already cooked dinner for three and suddenly it was going to have to go for six. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I felt well, like Jesus. That, that is when you sacrifice your own hunger. Yeah. You have a rice cake yourself and you hand over <laughs> yeah. all of your food to the teenagers. It also makes sense why my mum's cooking involved a lot of just adding be- kidney beans to things. Bulk it out. That's what she yeah. used to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. And chargers as well. The battle of a charger. Where they just they just disappear. What are you doing yeah. about smartphones? And my eldest has one. We've got a time limit on it, and he's got various restrictions on it. And my daughter has one, but I have noticed that with your first kid, you're really hot on rules, and then the second one comes along, and you it could be quite easy to let it slip a bit. And then I have, I have to kind of rein it back in and go, oh, hang on a minute, because we're they're two years apart, and what Buster was doing even a year ago she shouldn't be doing so she'd got a phone for the walking she's in year six of so the walking to and from school but i was like you don't need it at the weekend we turn it off like you you have no need for a phone because you're either with me or with your friends but i initially she wasn't and then i just noticed that she's on her phone i was like oh, she doesn't need to be yeah i wish i had some wisdom to impart here do they then ease off it or are they on it constantly no no steph it just gets worse let's face it it's the same for all of us i came off twitter x Partly because I really didn't like what it was becoming. Elon Musk, I mean, discuss. We haven't got time for that now. I also appreciate that it's a fantastic space, which I've enjoyed to promote stuff, to discuss stuff, to find stuff that I wouldn't otherwise have seen. But I look at my screen time every week and there were days when I was on my phone for six hours. You know, that was six hours that before the invention of the smartphone. I'd have spent doing something else. And it's still not great. Obviously, we use the phone a lot for research at work and all the rest of it. So I've probably got it down to about three hours a day now, which, by the way, I still think is pretty weird. And and I try not to dwell on it too much. But, and you know, we're all feeling it now. I'm talking to you both. But I've got my phone in front of me and I can't wait to be reunited with it. It's pathetic, isn't it? So I can't blame teenagers for being in the grip of of smartphone land i can't blame them at all you do wonder whether that there'll be a i don't know if it'll go full circle and then everyone will realize how mad it was that we didn't have any restrictions and it was just like go for it do what you like for 24 hours a day yeah Yeah, so i'm quite hopeful on that because i think that when our kids have children of their own they will have just a much deeper understanding of what the digital world did to them and in the same way that every generation, uh, you know, believes that it has the key to eternal happiness when they're young, but then comes to realise possibly they might have the wrong ingredients permanently. <laughs> I think they'll just make better decisions than us. You know, we have been flailing around as parents, you know, really not understanding the dangers and then not being able to rein the dangers in. I mean, that's just a fact. So I think our kids will will do something much cleverer I hope so anyway uh, I, I think also sometimes you just have to credit them with an amount of resilience that possibly you know we will never understand they have been bombarded in a way that we never were and I know that that has come at a cost to so so many teenage lives but at the same time some of them you know they really want to manage I kind of pray for them, but also I do have quite a bit of faith in them. They think that Elon Musk's a tit as well. 
an absolute tit. You know, there are a lot of very, very good memes on TikTok telling you just what a titty is. But, uh, but, but then that's on TikTok, isn't it? The, but the kids' <laughs> understanding of of right and wrong as well, I feel like mine... So I, I fear you talked about the kind of false dawn of female empowerment in the 90s, which I just think is so interesting because where we thought... Well, you also mentioned a PVC catsuit, and I did Google a PVC catsuit, and I couldn't find any pictures, which I was disappointed yeah, it's been taken down due to international <laughs> outrage. <laughs> but what you've said about it, about how we thought, because there was, you know, people were talking about sex quite openly or wearing whatever we wanted and keeping up with the boys, that that was us being, you know, empowered but then you look back and you, I think, especially with the Russell Brand allegations, you're like, I'm now looking at it with a different lens. Well, you see, that completely and utterly, that takes apart my theory, doesn't it? That our kids will have more resilience and more wisdom because, you know, maybe they will think that they have, but then they'll look back and realise that they didn't at all. Oh, I don't know. I just, I think we've been properly wandering around in the dark with technology. I mean, apart from anything else, I would say if I sat down with all of my parent friends, let's not just say mum friends, but they are mostly mum friends. Let's say there were 12 of us in a room and I asked how many of them had put parental controls on all of their smartphones and TVs in their house. I think maybe two or three would have done. And that's mad. That's that's absolutely mad. But I genuinely think quite a lot of us, you know, have not really realised what's been going on and known how to take steps to protect our children. And our kids just know stuff. They know stuff that we don't know. My elders can use a phone better than me already. So he'll look at me and go, for goodness sake, and kind of take it off me and do if I'm trying to do something. And you're like, yeah. when did you even learn that? But I've been yeah. trying for 20 so years. I hope, you know, I, I hope they... I, I hope they have a much better time of it imminently as well. And also legislation is catching up. Um, it's not catching up fast enough and it doesn't come with the double whammy of actually taxing tech giants enough. And I'm not saying that in a kind of, oh, I'm scoring an amazing political point here, but it's always seemed ludicrous to me um, that there's so much money being made in the world of tech that actually if all of those companies paid their proper taxes, we could be using that money to better protect lots of things in society. That's kind of bonkers. So I hope that changes too. And what about sort of tweakments and that kind of thing? Because I feel like the second I turned 40, <laughs> he's moving away from the camera. Yeah. Is it like a false female empowerment where they're going, yeah, well, I want to have this done. So I'm having this done. People are like being really honest about it and their Botox and fillers and whatever else they're having. But who are you doing it for, I suppose, is the question. And yeah, what are we all going to look like in our 70s? Well, the people that are doing it. You're on thin ice uh, criticising anyone who has a tweakment. If you have your hair dyed, for example, and I do, and I don't want to stop. So is it reasonable or fair for me to say, well, I wouldn't have Botox. I haven't had Botox. I have, in my woman's hour days, I did used to do lots of interviews with film stars in very quick interviews in hotels where you, you know, it was all, you had about nine minutes to try to make a connection with some megastar and then Scarpa. Obviously, it was almost impossible. Some of them were very charming. 
a lot of them had clearly had plastic surgery. And bear in mind, these people would have had the best plastic surgery. And they looked, quotes, great, but they did look like they'd had plastic surgery. So the best you can hope for if you have a treatment is that you'll look like someone who's had treatment. You might look like someone who's had good treatment or you might look like someone who's had treatment. We're all going to die. And there's a fantastic quote from a play called The Revenger's Tragedy, which I've never forgotten. It says, um, you can fool men, but you cannot fool worms. And I've always remembered that. And basically, that's your bottom line. There's only one destination for all of us. I think we all have a duty to keep clean and not smell if we possibly can. Other than that, you do whatever the hell you like with your own appearance. That's what I'd say. And and by the way, I've seen lots of men in showbiz have had plenty of treatments. I know that a lot of men on television are under pressure now to have Botox too. Because HD television is an unforgiving place. So it's not just the women who are asked to do this stuff. Honestly. Okay, I need to tell you about Hot Tea Mama. They make delicious, organic, award-winning whole leaf teas specially designed to support women's wellness, including blends for menopause and midlife. I am a big fan of herbal tea. I don't actually drink coffee. And I love Hot Tea Mama so much so that they are available in Don't Buy Her Flowers gift boxes. Founder Bethan has a degree in tea science, which is an actual thing. She uses her knowledge of tea biochemistry to make the blends to target the issues that she's faced through life as a new mum struggling to breastfeed, entering perimenopause and all the lost sleep in between. Designed for life, Hot Tea Mama have your back from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. And you can get 20% off with the code DBHF20 at hotteamama.com or find them in Holland and Barrett, Selfridges or Planet Organic. So I'm completely with my colleague about the hypocrisy of condemning plastic surgery. Uh, If you have even an ounce of you know, hair removal going on in your life. You know, I'm I'm doing loads of things to myself on a daily basis to try and fit in with a more kind of presentable image of womanhood. But the trying to stay young, yeah, facial stuff. That's the bit that I think is it's just scary how much, how much it infiltrates. It is, and I and I don't. You know, who who would I be doing that for? I think my my kids would be absolutely horrified if I started messing around with my face. They love the fact that I'm getting older because it means I'm still here. You know, they they do have friends. Sorry to be so blunt about it. You know, who've lost parents, so they don't give a toss what I look like. So I'm quite keen to kind of respect that. Actually, just in our household. And I've been really, really lucky. I got divorced about eight years ago, but I've met somebody else who's the same age as me, who has the same kind of outlook on life. And there's just something so lovely about knowing that I'm, oh, you know, I'm just on a level with a person who I really, really adore. And it's not about, you know, whether we've got smooth foreheads. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just... Although he does have a lovely force. Smooth, oh, good, um, I'm glad. Well, no, but I but, think I've got friends who have had children split up with partners and they're dating and they're like, it's not an even playing field. So they're feeling tempted to have stuff done, but they don't want to have stuff done because they feel like you, if you're if the first thing you're seeing is if you're online dating and there's a picture, they're like, oh God, I'm 
next to these people who have done stuff. But I suppose just on the kids thing, mine will spot it on telly. So they'll be like, oh, God, what's that person done to their face? Which is really interesting because they don't like it. And what a false economy that is. You know, the woman who walks into a restaurant who's had a lot of facial surgery or a man who's had an awful lot of facial surgery, I think in your head, you actually make them older than they are and certainly 20 years older than the face that they've paid an awful lot of money to have. So, you know, a man who's trying to look 50 when they're 60, I look at him and I think, God, you're probably 74, mate. So it's not really working is it at all but i am intrigued what's watching no i'm just gonna say i can't deny that i do i'll spend money on a face cream i absolutely will i've got e45 but i've also got more expensive face creams i kid myself it's because i like the smell and partly it is but it's also because it offers me supposedly on the tub wrinkle smoothing properties it's all bollocks isn't it my own mother is 89 And on a good day, she'd say herself that she only looks 85. And she does. She's actually, you know, very fortunate. But let's be clear about this. That's the best we can hope for, because if we're still alive, we're ageing. That's it. Tough. And yeah, don't take ageing for granted as a given, because it isn't. And stop agonising about it. But I mean, I own all my own hypocrisies, so... I get what you're saying, but I think they are different things when it's the changing of faces is a different thing that's that oh, it feels different to dying. But can I just offer a, a word of comfort as well? Uh, I'll be 55 in a couple of months' time, and I genuinely more and more look forward to the years when I, I'm going to have to, to worry even less about my appearance, actually. There's something so comforting if you've got off that kind of roller coaster of vanity of just knowing that what comes ahead it just becomes less and less relevant not more and more relevant and I think if you start doing too many treatments you know when when is the day where you kind of go okay I'm gonna let the mega sag I don't think you can that's the that's what we don't know yet do we because there's not many people who've been doing it regularly from 25 Mm. who've hit 75 and what they then look like but they will they'll be cluttering up old folks' homes of the future with their bizarre faces endlessly scrolling on phones. Doesn't bear thinking about, does it? (laughs) Final question. Knowing what you know now as two wise women, what would you say to your 35, 40-year-old self? Try not to worry so much and you'd be surprised how well things are going to turn out. And I know that everybody says your children's, you know, you must cherish every moment It only lasts a short time. Can we just acknowledge that the days are very long when you're looking after young kids? Really long. Yes, it's a very short time. But by God, it doesn't mean that the time doesn't drag at 10 to 2 on a wet afternoon in November when you know damn well it isn't bath time till 7 o'clock or whatever it is. I think you're absolutely entitled to clap yourself on the back for getting through those days whether you're father, mother, carer, whatever you are, that's tough, own it. But no time spent in the company of young children, in my experience, is actually ever wasted. They do remember that you played with them in the pop-up post office, albeit slightly unwillingly at times. And they do remember that you were there at 
the primary school playground at Hoppers 3 if you were able to be. And they do remember that you turned up for the school show. But also, unfortunately, they also remember the one school trip you didn't go on, which is the one to the wetland centre in Barnes, which my kids always reference. Anyway, there you go. That's enough. That's not a forgiving one because there's no shelter. There's very little shelter at the one in Barnes. That is right, not like okay. a fun one. Right. Thank you. you Makes me better feel better. that one. Well, I did. <laughs> so I absolutely agree with all of that. I suppose I'd say to my 35-year-old self, uh, which was actually just before kids, because I had my kids at 36 and 39, a geriatric, what do they call it, primo gravida, was written across all of my notes for both my kids. First, old, old, old. Um, I would just say uh, there's so much stuff that comes at you about how you should raise kids, how you should run a home, how you should have a career, should, 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 should. And there's even more coming at women now. And just hold on to that little bit of yourself where you feel comfortable. And everybody does have that little bit of themselves, which, you know, maybe you never meet somebody else in the world who has exactly the same bit as you. But hang on to that place where you're really comfortable and just always know that you have it. You know, you'll, you'll be able to... In whatever situation you're in, you'll be able to find that tiny bit that just rings true to you. It doesn't change throughout your life. It doesn't change when you have kids. It doesn't change through a relationship. It's a little bit of you. And just don't let anybody, you know, put that down or throw shade on it or undermine it. It's there for a reason, really. And I think I did have that huge, you know, those great big waves of change yet to come over me. But I am still the same person at nearly 55 that I was at 35 and unfortunately for many people at 25 as well uh, and you know that's it's a good thing I think you realize that's a good thing just you know to have be yourself I'm not the first person to say that I realize no it's brilliant thank you both so much for your time on your day off I really really appreciate it and it's lovely to see you both as well Thank you so much to Fee and Jane and I would really recommend their radio show and the podcast. As I say, it's like fortunately in that you have the riffing between them and the random tangent conversations or rambles, but they also get more newsy with it with guests and topical conversations. Um, The podcast is called Off Air with Jane and Fee uh, and I love them. And thank you also to sponsors Ancient and Brave. Head to their website with the code DBHF20 for 20% off your order. And next episode, we have a return visit from Dr. Karen Gurney, a.k.a. The Sex Doctor. The first episode that we recorded is our most downloaded ever episode. I get comments and messages about it all the time. Um, So if you haven't listened, do go back and listen to that. It's about sex in long-term relationships. And then you'll be ready for the next instalment. And if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get a notification when it goes live. It would also be wonderful if you can rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. And um, just take massive care of yourself and we'll be back soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.